0: Madrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on it. The Giants have won the pennant. Welcome back to the Thompson to Clark podcast. Brad, I did something that you told me to do several weeks back, which is look into this whiskey called Uncle nearest yes and I did so and I bought a couple of bottles I actually bought one for uh, my wife Crystal's ex-husband because he was helping us with our Wi-Fi and and everything so I had bought I bought two of them one to give to him and one to keep for myself and I will admit man this is not only like the the reason why this thing is trendy right now is also because it's like very good
1: yeah. And, and that's the whole thing too, is I just don't, I'm not a, just a straight whiskey guy. Like that's not my mm-hmm. thing. Like I like the rise. I like bourbon. Yep. Uh, I like that woodier character. Um, I had bad experiences with Jack Daniels in college. <laughs> uh, he and I just <laughs> didn't get along too much. <laughs> <but he> did. <laughs> who didn't. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so I wasn't like a straight whiskey guy. So when I saw that it was straight whiskey, I was like, well, I'll give it a, a shot. And my wife picked up the small batch and, uh, man, it's so smooth. And then I got another bottle. And so now I'm like, well, now I don't have to, uh, uh skimp on it. You know, I yeah. can kind of, uh, stretch it out or I didn't have to stretch it out as much, but, uh, but so I got the small batch and you got the different one, right? You got the,
0: yeah, whatever the bigger bottle is, um, the, from what I could tell now doesn't mean that I know all about their products, but, when I went to Total Wine, there were two versions. There was the $45 version and the $39 version, or whatever. I, j- I just picked up the two bigger bottles, but um, I'm interested in, in the other one as well. I'll probably get that one at some point. But I think, you know, when you had told me about it, I was like, wow, that's a really cool story. I, I love supporting that story, but I didn't actually think I was going to enjoy it as much as I do. And so it's actually a little bit more expensive than some of the other stuff that I buy. So this could become an inexpensive hobby. But uh, you mentioned this a couple of shows ago. Can you remind people what the story is about Uncle Nearest?
1: Yeah. So, uh, back in the day when Jack Daniels was kind of uh, starting out and getting his uh, his things going, there was a, a slave that was... Um, I, I don't know if he was uh, a slave that was a slave to Jack Daniels or, or if he was just on the property uh, that Jack Daniels purchased. But either way, um uh, and and I've, I gotta get the name right now, so you, you're gonna have to look up the names while I do this because it's been a while. Okay. But um, he got this gentleman and said, uh, you know, this gentleman said yeah, I've got uh you know this way that we that we make whiskey, and so Jack Daniels kind of uh, got together with him, and th- and that's where the whole Jack Daniels flavor distilling and everything else kind of started coming from. Um. And so when, uh, when things, uh, changed in the 1800s and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, here I'm trying to talk history, I'm not a history guy. So, so,
0: <laughs> so the, I, yeah, I was trying, I was trying to find, um, the name of the man who, who the brand is named after. And so his name is Nathan, wait, no. Nathan, yeah, Nathan Nearest Green, a.k.a. Uncle nearest, has been acknowledged since 2016 as the first African-American master distiller on record in the United States. He taught Jack Daniel how to make Tennessee whiskey and served as the first mastery distiller, formerly called head stiller, for the Jack Daniel Distillery. And he was reportedly instrumental in developing the Lincoln County Process, which is the charcoal filtering method used to make most Tennessee whiskey. So
1: yeah and they actually uh, uh, they actually credit him uh, as a founder of this uncle nearest whiskey, uh, which didn 't start too long ago, um, and then also Fawn Weaver is the other founder. And, uh, she's the daughter of Motown records songwriter and producer Frank Wilson. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so that's pretty, pretty big history right there for, for everybody involved. Uh, she was a writer, I believe. And then she also, uh, you know, kind of dug into the story a little bit and said, you know what, we gotta, we gotta start making this whiskey because, you know, we've got, we've got the recipe, we've got everything about it. So let's, let's hop in and, and do this. And, um, so the family of Nathan Nearest Green is also involved in this, and uh, a pretty awesome story. I mean, it's just uh, phenomenal stuff. I mean, I, I still can't get over it, uh, how good it is, uh, you know, because, again, anytime I think of just American, just straight American sour mash whiskey, I go, ah... You know, that's, that's not my thing, but then trying this, it's, it's very close to like a mix between a bourbon mm-hmm. and, and a really nice scotch. And yeah. It's something you just really enjoy. You yes. kind of sip on it. It's really good. You mean Jimmy Beam doesn't do it for mm-hmm. you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've had, well, Jim Beam is actually a bourbon, yeah. um, for the most part. And, and, uh, I like Jim Beam too. I've actually, you know, I had a bottle of Jim Beam. I don't, I am not a, uh, fine palate person when it comes, now, when it comes to beer, yes. When it comes to bourbon, scotch, whiskey, um, you know, if it's good and it tastes good to me, it could be 5 bucks a bottle and I don't care. I I I'll, I'll dig it. Um so yeah, like you said too, this one was a little bit out of my price range too, mm-hmm. but at Sam's Club the small batch was $33, so it really no, cool. wasn't bad at all. And uh you know, for that price I thought after I had it I go, "Well, that's a steal because I would I would have bought this if it was 50 bucks." I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Don't tell right, Sam. So. Don't tell Sam that though cuz don't <laughs> raise the price.
0: Don't tell your wife either. Yes. The um So you know what I'm drinking? I'm drinking it straight with a rock. Uh, What are you drinking?
1: Well, I... um, Long day. You know, Mondays are always long day. Uh, Kids are, are in school on Mondays. There's a lot going on first day of the work week and everything else. So... I went ahead and made myself an old-fashioned, as I have also introduced my wife into the world of Mad Men recently. Um, I'm a huge fan of the series. I've seen it all the way through once. And this is my second viewing of it all the way through, my wife's first viewing of it. So I get cravings for old-fashions now, Mm. uh, as Don Draper does. Uh, He he craves about seven a day. Uh, I'll go with one a week of the old fashioned. Uh, so I went ahead and made one with a redemption rye. I used a rye just like uh, good old Don Draper does, or uh, I won't use this other name in case nobody's ever seen this series. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but uh, so that with the Angostura bitters, Big old ice cube, maraschino cherry, and take the uh, the orange rind and kind of uh, peel it off the orange, Just swirl it around the glass a little bit. Nice big orange flavor to it. And I like it. Uh, it's the non-sugar kind. I think I've done this on the show before where I use stevia uh, mm-hmm. to sweeten it up a little bit, which gives it a little bit of an odd flavor, but not too much. You get used to it pretty quick. So that's my drink tonight.
0: Nice. All right. So... As all Giants fans know, spring training games have begun. Sunday was the first game. They also had a game today. Um, We're going to talk about that in a second, but the thing I wanted to ask Brad about first is this news that the Giants' home jerseys will now have the names of the players on the back. They haven't had that in, gosh, when did they first start that? Like in the early 2000s or something?
1: I believe so. I, I think it's when they moved into the uh, into the new ballpark. So 2000, when they got the uh, the cream uniforms and everything, uh, and they changed that up. They took the names off the back of the jerseys, and that was hard to get used to. And it's taken 20 years, and we've gotten used to it. And now they changed it on us again. Um but you like it right i mean you're you're good with this
0: I mean I'm okay with it, it it'll help us uh, as we try and figure out who's coming in from the bullpen yeah oh yeah, um but like i liked I liked the idea of the jerseys with no names. if you were- bought, like if you like to buy the jerseys um you know I like the idea that it was just like a number on the back and and no name like that, that's pretty cool but i get it you know there's a reason why the names are on the back of the the jerseys in general is so you know a casual fan could kind of get into it right like you don't have to know everybody so well to know that who is who is who and so i get it like it's, it's it's a thing and and it you know if you want to sell the jersey with brandon crawford's name on it on the home jersey then that's good too But I I guess I don't really understand why they decided to make the change because I thought it was kind of cool as it was. But I'm also not against it. Like they, they can do whatever they want. And I think it still looks cool. There was a little bit of a specialness, though. We were one of the few teams that didn't have the names on the back.
1: Yeah, it, it, you just hit that on the head because that's what I was about to say. That was kind of our special little thing. Like we knew who the players were. Hey, nine, that's Belt. We we knew right away who was who. Twenty-eight, Posey. You know, you could throw those out there. So. For the casual Giants fan, I, I get it. It's going to help them big time. For us hardcore fans, it was that dirty little secret that we really knew everybody's name just by si- saying a number. Um, but you know what? Again, it's one of those things where at first I was like, oh, man, don't do that. And they kept uh, uh, you know, kind of teasing it last year. Um, so this year when they actually did it, I go, you know, it actually looks kind of cool. I'm good with it. I so so okay at my age with the also the age my kids are i i don't and and i don't know i, I know you don't do this either we don't sit and watch 162 games all nine innings of every single game we just can't do that in our lives anymore. I mean, I so wish I, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? I have an old fashioned every night and then, ta- you know, cap it off with a beer or around the sixth inning. But, uh, you know, I'm walking around the house, I'm doing dishes. Uh, you know, I'm helping the kids do their thing. Uh, you know, wife and I want to sit down and watch a show or something. So, you know, trying to get some chores done while the game's on. It's nice to take that quick glance. And then after a pitcher throws a pitch, you see him turn around and you go, oh, okay, that's uh, you know, so-and-so that's easy. So instead of sitting there having to see a number and then waiting to hear who it is.
0: Or immediately go into your phone and look at <laughs> the roster.
1: Exactly. And you know what? I've been finding myself doing a lot of too. Uh, I recorded the spring training, first spring training game last night against the angels and what they do, um, you know, with, with Fox sports and it was broadcast on a Fox sports channel for the uh, uh, Angels, is they put the name of the pitcher and the name of the batter in a little square on the bottom right in the uh, score ticker. So, so that helps too. So you can quickly look and go, who is that? but they didn't know either because it's spring <laughs> training so half the time for the angels they only had the batter they didn't have our pitcher and I'm like what come on guys you you have a you know you have a, a whole scorecard in front of you and a whole roster in front of you of all these guys so so yeah I think it'll be nice it'll be nice to have that and like you said that's kind of a big selling point to go get that jersey now with the name on the back is pretty cool
0: yeah yeah like like it's funny because you could immediately tell when a Giants fan customized a home jersey because then there would be a name on the back. And you're like, oh, you got that customized. How how nice of you. <laughs> exactly. Us real ones, you would never... You know, that's kind of like it was a yeah. little bit of a stomp. We don't
1: have names.
0: But, uh, but yeah, so now they'll have names. It'll take a little while for me to get used to it, but I'm all for it. You know, they, they need to find other ways to, you know, sell some jerseys. Maybe jersey sales were low. Who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now I got a question for you. I got a jersey question for you. Yep. Are you the type of person, and no judgment, I'm just asking, are you the type who would put your last name on a Giants jersey with a number?
0: So I have this thing, and it's been ever since I had kids, I decided that I would never buy a Jersey of a player who was younger than me. Mm,
1: can't do that anymore though. Yeah. (laughs) Now you
0: can't, you can't buy any jerseys. Well, the (laughs) thing is, is I would have to like buy, you know, jerseys of like Will Clark or, you know, yeah. Will Clark or Mays or bonds or something like that. Um, and, and so like, it's hard for me to actually buy a Jersey if it's going to have a name on it, cause I have this rule and it's with football and basketball too. Like I bought a 49ers Jersey and it was, I, of course I had to buy a Jerry Rice Jersey. Like that's the guy that I watched when I was younger. So when it comes to that whole thing of putting the name on it, uh, I just recently did this because when I, when I got married in August, um, I got jerseys for me and my, my best man and my kids and, you know, the same jersey basically for one day we'll be able to go back to a game and we'll all be able to wear our jerseys and we all, we put nicknames on the back so I didn't actually yeah, put my cool. last name yeah. but I did put a nickname and it's funny because uh, for my my youngest, he didn't want the same jersey uh, that we got because we got like the black Giants jerseys. Because I have to, I, have, I don't actually have a black Giants jersey, and so I was like, let's get these black ones. They're kind of cool, and they were on sale because I think Nike stopped making them or something. So, uh, so we got those. But then my youngest was like, no, I don't want the black. I want the white. I'm like, but then if you put the name on the back, then it's gonna be fake. <laughs> and and so we had we just had this conversation like right around Christmas time, and so it's funny because now the the name is on the back of the jersey. So yeah, so we we all but we got it all. He he see the thing is is what he wanted on the back was Lincecum. I think I told the story. Oh there. yeah yeah, and they won't do it. They that, won't put the Lincecum. So that's garbage. <laughs> so so what I uh, what I did is I had to buy one on eBay. It didn't have Lincecum's last name, but it did have his number, and it had the World Series patch. So he's got one of the two thousand. I think it's two thousand and ten World Series patch Lincecum jerseys.
1: That's pretty cool. I, and see now I like, you know, like, like mad dog, right. Uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, at, uh, at and park, he's got the mad dog jersey. Mm-hmm. So having the nickname on it with like the year you got it is pretty fun. Uh, I bought years ago. Um, and we're probably talking way too much about jerseys, but this is fun. <laughs> this is, this is what we do. Um, I bought years ago when I worked at, a, uh, at Sports Stuff in the Valco Mall. Oh, wow. Cupertino, when I was in high school, at Cupertino High School, uh, I worked at Sports Stuff. So I got a Giants, this, oh God, this had to be 1988, 89. I got a Giants batting practice jersey uh, with the holes in it. Remember with like the air holes all over it. Uh, And it's got the old Giants logo across the chest. I put the double zero and I put Leonard on the back oh wow because i took it somewhere that would do all that stuff and they put legit i mean it is the real colors double stitched uh black on top of orange i mean really awesome and I was kicking myself for not putting Hackman. Oh. But I still think it's pretty cool. I have worn it to the ballpark. I have gotten many compliments on it. I've worn it to the Aces ballpark uh, here in Reno, A baseball. I've gotten compliments on it. Everybody remembers Hackman. So just, just even having the name Leonard on the back, everybody goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, and I had to throw on the, <laughs> n- not number 20. I had to do it when he changed it to double hot. So. You yes. Know, Yes. One of my prize jerseys. That was yeah, that's a classic one. Yeah, like most of my jerseys, they don't even have
0: a number on the back. I just bought them plain and I never actually put the number on the back. She says a blank on the back. I've got but, one of those too, yeah. Yeah, but uh but I, I like uh, I like you know, I like being able to be creative with it. I again it's not like I can go and buy a Joey Bart jersey because he's like I'm like twice his age, so it's not fun. He could, <laughs>
1: he could be your son. <laughs> he could. I mean he really he could literally could. <laughs> You know, you have a kid, one of your kids is probably his age, right? No,
0: Joey uh, well, you know, yeah, Barks 24 well, or so. Yeah, not not quite no, his no. age, but I do have a
1: 21-year-old, so. I don't mean to age you here, but you know. It's all right, it's all right. But you did throw out your back today, so I, oh, my God. I am aging you, <laughs> sorry to bring that up, but you know, we're getting old. That's, where the, that's where the uncle nearest uh, comes in. Exactly, we sneeze wrong and things go out, that's just what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay,
0: so let's talk about the spring, these games that have happened. You watched the game. Did you Did you actually get a chance to watch the game from last night?
1: I did. I watched it. Here, you're going to hear a little pour. I got to add a little more... Uh... It's Monday. I got a little bit more of this rye in here. Um, yes, I did get to watch the game uh, today. You know, I had it on the background while I was doing work and stuff. But uh, watched the game yesterday's game and then listened to most of today's game. You know, again, the the weird thing is, um, but I kind of like it because spring you don't need to have nine inning games, but the games are shorter right now. Uh, managers agreed on yesterday's game being seven innings and. Today's game being six innings, and that's just how it is. So Giants have played two games and they played 13 innings, which is really weird. They're shorted five innings, but, you know, you get little things out of it. And 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 this time of year, what I'm looking for as a fan, uh, as a podcaster, as somebody, you know, who tries to keep their finger on the pulse of what the Giants are doing and, and, and Garrett's this way too, I know different than when we were younger what we look for in the spring is we want to see the prospects we, mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we know they're not going to make the team this year, but you want to see the Helio Ramos, you want to see yeah. Marco Luciano, you want to see Joey Bart Hunter Bishop, we've seen those guys in the last two days, so it, it's pretty fun, Patrick Bailey yesterday got two at bats, which hitter, he actually got to hit from both sides of the plate in the same game, his only two at bats so that type of stuff is what kind of what we're looking for. Are we watching to see if Brandon Crawford hits a home run? No, Uh, (laughs) it's spring training. Is he, what if he's working on going the opposite field for some knocks? He's not going to hit a home run. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. just doing what he's doing. So, so that's not where we're watching. We're watching for these guys, these young guys to make kind of a splash and do different things. Joey Bart today, his first uh, game uh, in spring training, he got two knocks. He went up the middle and he went opposite field. Uh so that that's awesome. I mean anytime you see Joey Bart going that way, you're like, "Oh, well, he's dialed in." And he was dialed in last spring too. And I even think he was dialed in the spring before that. <laughs> spring kind of seems to be his thing. So, um we we know he's not going to be up with the club. But that brings me to an interesting interesting question, if he continues on this just torrid pace and hits like 600 in the spring, I'm going to ask you Garrett do, do the Giants do they kind of rethink what they were going to do with him at this point I don't think so
0: but I I would I would like to say that they would stay what their what their plan is which is to have Buster and um Casali and possibly Trump, um, you know, if something happens there, but they actually have the depth to where they wouldn't need to bring Bart up unless like, 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 let's say you lose Buster, right? Let, right. Let, and and I, I crossing my fingers, I hope but last
1: <laughs> I cr- year, I just l- crossed everything
0: last year we did, right? We lost yes. him. And so then there was a gap In that position and we talked i think we talked last week about how they were a negative war at that position and when you have buster you take it you sort of take it for granted because you always have a, a very positive player when he's catching but if he gets hurt Or if something happens and, and, you know, whatever, and he's not playing, it makes sense to play Bart because then you would play him every day. But if the goal is to have Buster catch most of the games, I don't think it does Bart much to be a backup and to play every five games or every six games. If Buster wasn't there, it might make sense to start him. But if Buster's there, then you just let the dude go tear it up in AAA. I think.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's. I mean, they, they've already said it. They're not going to say it if they decided that. Hey, but if Bart tears it up, let's rethink all of this. You, you really can't. Um, we saw what Bart did against major league pitching last year. He he had a rough time. He he you know chased a lot of pitches walked was it what was it twice in 100 plus at bats um so no that's that's definitely not major league ready but but man it really puts the pressure on them um if he does have another great spring uh because at that point you say well we'll have him up he's going to be up this year at some point I, i would imagine i can't imagine joey bart's going to be in the minors for the entire season He's got three option years. One of them was used last year. He's going to be up at some point this season. So if he has a monstrous spring and if Casale just isn't quite there with the ham eight bone surgery and Trump isn't hitting the cover off the ball and Belt is still rehabbing the, the, the heel, do you say, well, you know, Posey can play first. Bart can catch. Uh, I don't know. Tough decision. There's going to be so many tough decisions with this ball club. Um, they're going to be looking to move a lot of players probably at the, at the trade deadline. Uh, so, so there are going to be a ton of, of really, really tough decisions. And that's, that's just one of, them. I know we talked about catchers last week, but Joey Bart went out and, and got two hits in two at bats today. So, you know, It's exciting. This is spring. Everything's exciting, right? (laughs) I mean, anything that happens in the spring with this Giants team is super exciting. Buster Posey got a hit yesterday. I mean, the place, you know, all what? But 500 fans erupted. Twitter went crazy. We, we we didn't have him last year. If we would have had him last year, we're in the playoffs. I mean, that that's a no doubter right there. So him getting a knock yesterday, everybody just went crazy. I'm watching Twitter. I'm going, you know, Buster Posey got a knock. It's the spring. Relax. And then I'm thinking, no, this is actually pretty cool.
0: Yeah. A little shooter to the right side. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I agree with you. That's It's kind of what we do is we... It, now, if you're a horrible baseball team, then <laughs> the maybe Pirates. then maybe you look at like what your everyday players or your supposed everyday players are going to do. But you don't really learn anything by watching Crawford or Belt or Longoria. Like we know what we're going to get, and it is really about the younger players: Luciano and Bart and Bailey and Bishop and and those guys, because you they are close enough to the point of where like if if the Giants decided that uh you know like you said they let's say they trade one of their outfielders and they're like oh you know one of the reasons why we're trading this outfielder who has some value and can actually get us something back is because we have Helio Ramos and we think he's ready like that like that's why we we want to watch him hit now it's because when they go in September oh we think he's ready we're like oh yeah like we saw him you know, face major league pitching in the spring. And, you know, this is what he he was able to hit. And man, I hope he worked on this. And it's just, you know, it's it's for us to kind of just be a little bit more knowledgeable about the situations and about the players. And that's how you follow your teams. Like you want to know these things about these players that people on the other teams don't know about, like the you're, you know, your one and a half Dodger friend that you have. You know, if there's like, oh, like, who's this Ramos guy? And so you tell him because he doesn't know. Or, you know, your A's fan friends go, oh, like, what about what about Bart? What's his deal? And then you tell him and, and they do the same thing about, their, you know, about their players who you don't know a whole lot about. That's that's what makes baseball. That's part of what makes baseball fun is because there is that aspect of prospects and guys who are not ready, but they're on the come up. And, and you know, every everything is, uh, you know the two years away, you know, in two years, this guy's going to be X, Y, and Z. And it's funny in basketball, there's this saying, when they talk about some of the really bad young players, the saying is, uh, he's two years away from being two years away. <laughs> like, because like these basketball players, they come up and they literally need to like actually contribute like right away. Like, cause you know, you go right to the NBA, but in baseball, These guys need to get those, you know, a thousand at bats or whatever it is before they're ready to to come up and face, you know, the big league pitching. So that that that's the part that's a part of baseball that is unlike most sports that I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and baseball is like hockey. I mean, hockey you you draft a guy and and you're not gonna see him for a few years. But yeah, you're right. I mean, basketball and football, if you are a first round pick, you are expected to have an impact. On the team that season, and that and and with baseball, that's just not it. So the guys we draft this June, we'll see them in three years, four years, maybe.
0: Yep. Um, and, and I mean, unless it's like some lights out college senior, then you may see them yeah. earlier.
1: Yeah. You. Yeah, and you could. And if you're a bad team, like you said, you you could. If you're the Pirates, and you're drafting number one overall, and you're taking a a, a college senior. You may see him next year, or the year after. I mean, you're going to see him pretty quick.
0: I remember um, Ben McDonald when he yeah? came up with the Orioles; like it was really quick. Uh, Todd Van Poppel, actually, Todd Van Poppel's a high school guy, and the A's still brought him up like super early. But there's there's a few different guys. There, who was the guy uh, left-handed third baseman for the Giants? I think it was it was Connor Gillespie when they drafted him. It was literally in his contract that said he had to make the September club that season. So, you know, there's, there's lots of fun and goofy things like that. That that happened because of the fact that you have a farm system. It's it's it's, it makes it makes spring training, you know, preseason in football and preseason in basketball is so boring. Nobody (laughs) gives a crap. But spring training in baseball is actually interesting.
1: Well, yeah, because you get to see the guys. Because when they go to Double A Richmond or they go to well, I don't even know if it's Double A Richmond anymore. I I, you know I really got to study this whole. We walked
0: through this not too long ago.
1: Yeah, I I got to write it on my hand or something. <laughs> um, but if you're going on like a single A, low single A now, San Jose, unless you live there, you're not going to see these guys. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be able to go to the website and see what they did the night before and maybe see some video highlights or something. Uh, but you're not going to see these. And now you're going to see these guys. So tomorrow night or by the time you're, if you're listening to this tomorrow, we're, we're recording this today. If you're listening to this tomorrow, then, <laughs> then, then now it's today. <laughs> and that means tonight the Giants and Dodgers are playing on, uh, uh, NBC, uh, well, what do they call it? Sports now? Bay area? NBC. Yeah. Sports Bay area. So you're going to, you're going to be able to watch the Giants and Dodgers tonight, tomorrow, today, whatever it is. Uh, but, but anyway, and then you're going to be able to see these players and that, yeah. and that's the awesome, thing with spring training. And also, if you listen to us and you have been listening to us, then you'll know the names like Erasmendi Alcantara, <laughs> right? Because we talked about him back in probably December, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, when the Giants signed him to a minor league deal. He's played in both games so far. Oh, wow. And and we said he's he's a five- position guy in 2019 with the Mets. He played in the minor league system. He played five different positions. Well, he's already played shortstop and third base in two games so far. Um, Another guy who's played shortstop and I don't think I ever want to see him play shortstop again is uh, Mauricio Dubon. Yeah. First ground ball goes right (laughs) through his legs. (laughs) That was a, that was a wicked. That was just ugly. And then he made the, 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 tough decision to hold on to the ball and try to turn a double play on his own instead of flipping it. So, you know, he's going to be an outfielder. He's going to be our center fielder, but he was playing shortstop because they want to get him some ABs, move him around the field and, uh, have, uh, Oh, the name escapes me now. Uh, Lamont jr. Out in oh, center yeah. field, yeah. Um, who 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 may not be on our team when the twenty six man comes out, most likely won't be uh, Lamont Wade Jr. But but that type of thing, that's what you are going to see in the spring. So you are going to see guys out of position, maybe not necessarily. I mean, positions they played before at some point in their careers, but you got to get some guys at bats. And and you haven't seen Crawford play yet. Um, Yaz got his first abs today. Uh, Listella got his first abs today. Hit a rocket double. Uh, so, if, I mean, man, it just like kind of drooling. That's the one-two punch right there. Oh, yeah. And I'm drooling just thinking of if you actually went like, uh, you know, Listella, and then you went Donnie Barrels and then you went Yaz and then Posey. That's nice. That's a nice one through four. I mean, if, if you can keep those guys healthy, find really good positions for them that kind of hide, hide, hide. Uh, you know, Listella's infield weaknesses. Um, can Lestella and Donnie Barrels play at the same time, though? If is at third, um, because Lestella does play third base, uh, he's rough there. He's rough at second base. You got to find these guys at bats, though, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you can kind of hide them somewhere in the infield, which you really can't in the major leagues, but if you if you can and and you can look at a lineup again, this is, we're, we're in the analytics age. So so I'm sure the giant staff can say, well, this lineup we're facing today doesn't hit the ball to the left side of the field, especially yeah. down the left field line. Let's stick L- Listella at third, mm. and if it matches up hitting wise for him, then, then then you're golden. You got the nice little uh, dual action, help, you know, working there. But still, it's it's hard to say. I'm not in that, so I I don't know all of that. But that that's just kind of off the top of my head. What I
0: do, do, you have a story that you remember of like I cannot wait for spring training to see this guy play. And it's usually a young player. So I, I can remember, I have two main ones. And, and while I'm telling mine, you can you can think of yours. So the two are, um, I believe it was 84. So the Giants were terrible in 84. They were even worse in 85. <laughs> in 83, they were actually competitive. Yeah. But I want to say in 84, they had like a... Twenty and ten record in spring training or something, and so you're like, oh. As a kid, I'm like, oh wow, they they dominated spring training. That means they should be good, but that is a, a fallacy. Uh, being good in spring training usually means zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like sometimes you know they're they're like, like we said they're putting guys in s- certain positions. They're not necessarily trying to win the games like you would in the regular season. So I remember being a fan and like going like, oh wow. And then they just suck, and so that is like that is my my main moment. But for a player, it had to be. If I'm thinking about this correctly, it had to be when Will Clark was coming up because he had such a big, um, uh, like there was so much momentum with with him being that. What was he? The second pick and wanting just wanting to see him because i you know we'd actually seen him in college like college baseball was on a lot back then and 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 you know he was actually kind of an espn star before the giants drafted him and so you got to see a lot of him and with that aluminum bat and then they, then, they, then, then they draft him and he, and he goes through that end of that 85 season and he kind of just goes through the minors. And so in 86, it's really your first opportunity to see him in the spring. And I feel like that was a
1: moment for me. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see Will Clark play spring training. See, now for me, I didn't have uh, cable growing up. I didn't get it until 95. So for me, spring training was all about uh, the newspaper. And, and and again, my parents weren't into baseball, so it was just me. I, I didn't have ESPN. I couldn't watch any. I don't even know if they uh, showed spring games back then. Did they show any spring games?
0: I have a... I had, not that I have anymore. I had a VHS tape that... I, like my dad had taped over a couple times and I was looking for something and I found on WTBS, my dad had recorded like a 1982 spring training game between Jeez. like the Giants and the Braves or something. Wow.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> and and the reason why I knew it was the early 80s is because they had like these black jerseys. Yes. you know? So, um, yeah. So, as far, I mean, as far back as then, at least they were wow. doing some sort of uh, of broadcasting of games. But I would say when we were growing up, you didn't get to see it, you, It was, but we did get to listen to it. We were mostly listening to it back then.
1: Yeah. See now for, for me growing up, it was the radio. If there were any games on the radio for spring training and it was the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So, so really for me, it kind of started around 86, 87. Um, but it was more for the established players for me. Uh, I didn't, Know much about the prospects because again, you probably did from your from your dad, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but my parents were not sports fans, so I didn't know about prospects other than from baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Ash Day, posts some pretty awesome uh, baseball cards that he's been getting. It makes me kind of want to get back into it, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I don't have the room for it.
0: Well, baseball, I will tell you, yes, the baseball card hobby. Is a very
1: expensive hobby these days. <laughs> yeah. oh, then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Before I even got back in, I'm out. But I do want to post some of my old ones. But yeah, it was like the rated rookie cards and yeah. and, and all the cool stuff that you get from like Donruss and Tops back then and Fleer. I can't leave out Fleer. And then Upper Deck kind of came along a little bit later. Yeah. But but those cards, you would get those, trade them with friends. I'm like, oh, uh, Greg Jeffries, he's going to be awesome. All right, let's check him out. Uh, so for, so for us, you know. I would get those and look at those, but I was more about the established players in spring training. So like in 87, you know, Will Clark was the man. And then, so in the 88, 88 spring training, I wanted to track him. How Mm -hmm. is he doing? Is he going to have a great season? Is he doing good in the spring? Not really knowing and quite understanding at that age that, you know, these guys are working on things and they're getting like two at bats a game and they're not, uh, uh, you know, they're not out there mashing the ball like they would be in the regular season. And then if they hit two home runs in a game, it was off two guys that probably wouldn't even be on starting rosters when when uh, the regular season started. So I didn't have a full understanding of that. But but I do think around that era, uh, I remember 89 after uh, Kevin Mitchell had his monster season. Then in 90, I remember following him in spring training. What is he doing? Matt Williams. Um, that might have been one of the first, like, like rookies uh, that that I was watching in spring training and watching the stats might've been Matt Williams around, uh, you know, 88, 89. Like, is, is this guy going to come up? Or are we going to finally get this guy? So, uh, but yeah, that was right around the time. And then, and then of course, Buster Posey, I mean, when he came along, watching his numbers, watching his stats, seeing what he did in the spring, and then I got the the absolute pleasure of seeing him in Triple uh, A playing against the Aces um, here at the beginning of the 2010 season on opening day for the Aces. So that was awesome. So I've got a lot of cool pictures of that too.
0: Spring training can also be a little bit of... Uh, like like there's some trickery involved because you would see players have some cool games in spring training and then they would be actually good minor leaguers but then they wouldn't do anything in the major leagues like Rickert Fanita and Dante Powell and Calvin Murray like you'd see these guys in the spring and you'd be like oh can't wait for them to be on the club in a couple of years and then they just never did anything so it could also be You know, it could also be some fool's gold in there. Uh, William Van Landingham, you know, just guys like that. Solomon Torres, like like guys who who just never, you know, for whatever reason, just never made it on the big team.
1: I think I saw Van Landingham at Candlestick Park. I want to say it was 97. Go toe-to-toe with Kevin Brown of the Marlins at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, in a, a no-hitting back and forth, uh, dual no-hitters up until the seventh, but Van Landingham had walked like five. Um, but Kevin Brown was just dialed in, and uh, and then Kevin Brown finished it off, got the no-hitter. And uh, Van Landingham gave up like, you know, a couple of home runs or something. But You mean... Van yeah. launching pad. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> well, I didn't want to he be. Gave up some. He did. He did. I did. I laid that one out there. I didn't <laughs> want to be rude. I feel bad <laughs> for the guy.
0: But yeah, I know it, Kruko gave him a nickname <laughs> that people know more than his actual name. Unfortunately, I,
1: I had to stop myself a couple of times as I was saying his name because I almost just said "van launching <laughs> pad." But be, it, uh, it almost feels derogatory. But yeah, yeah he did give up yeah. a lot of home runs.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, something that happened right after we recorded last week, which is the Giants signed Scott. Casimir off of like, I think he was playing in like some semi pro league or something or some independent league. And yeah. uh, they, they picked him up and they signed up to a minor league deal.
1: The, the team that he played for, are you ready for this? The, the Eastern Reyes del Tigre. And you know what they're named after is the Netflix phenom the Tiger King. Oh,
0: my God. So,
1: <laughs> so so, their logo on their hat is a tiger with a blonde mullet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and they played in the Constellation Energy League in Houston last year. There were four teams. Um, can't remember the name of the manager of this team, but... Roger Clemens was a manager of one of the four <laughs> teams in this league. So. How the mighty have fallen. Um, but anyways, yeah, so Casimir, uh, he's trying to reinvent himself again. He did that once already in his career, made a comeback with the A's. Um, but apparently he's made some awesome adjustments. Uh, he's at 93 on pro on his pro day. He actually had a pro day. They call it a pro day. I thought that was only a college thing. Um, But he had a pro day for like 15 to 20 teams and then did a private uh, showing for the Giants. Uh, He's got his fastball, curveball, slurve, change, all that stuff working. Actually, cutter instead of a, uh, and then he's got the slurve and a change. Um, But yeah, he's hitting 93 and he's got some pretty nasty looking stuff so far. He is 37 years old, but Zadie has said that the Giants do need to, and and any major league club really needs eight or nine starters to make it through a season because you're going to have guys that aren't going to perform. You're going to have guys that are injured. You're going to have guys that just you know need some days off from fatigue. So the Giants are looking at like eight to nine different starters. So if they can stash Casimir at the beginning of the season in the minors and they need him for like three or four starts in the middle of the season, then great, he's there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah, that's kind of interesting. He hasn't pitched in the majors since 2016. Team with the Dodgers. That was also with Zadie. Uh, when he was with the A's, that was with Zadie. So it's, you know, kind of a, a f- we, so us Rams fans had a joke back in the day when Jeff Fisher was our coach. Um, and we would see them sign a guy and we go, that's a Foff right there. That guy's a Foff. He's a friend of Fisher. So you're seeing a lot of friends of Zadie. So mm-hmm. we can call them the Fawzes if we want. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so some friends of Zadie. But here's the thing is I trust Zadie <laughs> on a thousand times more than I trust <laughs> Jeff Fisher because of what Zadie's building here. Uh, so anytime he wants to sign a guy who's a Fawz, I'm cool with that. I don't have a problem with it.
0: Zay doesn't have a mustache, though.
1: No, he doesn't. Nah.
0: No. He needs one, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, what about Yamaguchi?
1: So Shun Yamaguchi, uh, he was signed by the Giants also to a uh, minor league deal. He was signed by the... um, Toronto Blue Jays at the beginning of the 2020 season, two years, $6.35 million deal. They got about 17 games out of him and then they saw enough and then they just let him go. So the Giants are like, okay, we've got a, a, a major leaguer here that we can sign to a uh, the major league minimum. So a minor league deal, uh, if you make the major league roster, then you get the major league minimum. So in the Nippon Baseball League... He was 73 and 65, and this was from 2006 to 2019. So, he's 33 years old. He pitched in over in Japan for 13 seasons. He had a 3.19 ERA there, 1,200-plus innings, uh, 9.1 Ks per nine, 3.4 walks per nine. Uh, he's primarily a starter. Well, then he came to Toronto. Uh, he's got a nasty, nasty splitter, but he has a really bad, uh, uh, location issue Giants think they can clean that up. I mean, they've been able to clean up a lot of location issues for guys. Um, And so in Toronto last year, he pitched in 17 games, uh, had an 8.06 ERA, six walks per nine. Uh, But with that splitter, they think they can really kind of work on that pitch, maybe be a two pitch guy out of the bullpen. He could be a starter. I mean, as a starter. You got to have three pitches. You got to have four pitches. Um, probably get away with with three in this day and age if you're only pitching four innings, five innings. But again, Giants need eight to nine starters to get through the season. So Shun Yamaguchi is kind of one of those flyer guys. We haven't seen him yet in the spring. Very excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, again, talking about. Uh, uh, Control the Giants so far uh, this spring. They've pitched 13 innings. They've given up 10 walks, but struck out 12. Uh, but but again, beginning of spring, you're going to see that control kind of all over the place. If you remember, the Giants did sign a lot of guys one-year deals one year minor league deals kind of a show me see let's see what you got a lot of those guys had control issues so the Giants uh, coaching staff the pitching coaching staff can reel all that in and Giants can have you know kind of a lot of options going down the line but Shun Yamaguchi one of those options to be a starter uh, at some point during this season hopefully
0: All right, so let's take a look at the infield side. Last week, we looked at catchers and sort of the depth of of the team there. What about on the infield? You've already talked about Listella and Solano and you know these guys we're, were gonna need to figure out where they can play consistently, and maybe not consistently. You know, they, they may just need to be ready to go at any point at a bunch of different positions. But let's look at all of the all of the infield positions, uh, starting at first base. Obviously Brandon Belt is going to be the guy at least until he isn't the guy and that could be because it gets traded at some point if he needs to help a contender down the line that could be because of his injury we know that he's he's not currently healthy um but who's behind belt at first base for the giants
1: well, we talked about that a little bit uh, last week at first base. Um, you know, uh, Ruff got a start at first base today, Darren Ruff. Uh, he's a guy that the Giants thought, well, you know, he could be a DH. And then the NL, you know, basically baseball said, we're not doing a DH. So don't yeah. worry about that. So they've got to get Ruff some at-bats. Um, you're going to see Wilmer Flores over there, um, hopefully without the goof that he had last uh, season. <laughs> I'm not going to say it cost us a game there's always so many things that go into how you lose a game that one play is not always it. Uh, but, but so you're going to see Wilmer Flores there. Uh, you're going to see Buster Posey at first base. Uh, so, so really, it's it's at the beginning of the season, you're going to see a hodgepodge of a bunch of guys. You're going to see Flores. You're going to see La Stella, You're going to see Posey. Uh, and you're going to see Ruff because Ruff is – Going to mostly play outfield this year. Uh, he's going to be sliding into that sixth spot, probably uh, sixth outfielder spot. We can we'll talk about you know more about that probably next week. But I think you're going to see those guys kind of kicking around the first base position to start the season. And so second base
0: side uh, last year, there was a lot of Solano. There was some some Dubon. Uh, now we have La Stella. How do you see the Giants uh, wading through at second base?
1: Well, and, and that's interesting, too, because you've got Longo, you've got Belt, and you've got Crawford locked in on the infield at some point. They're under contract. They're there. Solano's got the one-year deal. Flores is still locked under contract. And
0: let's still- not forget, Solano lost his
1: arbitration hearing. He did. He did, and that that's always rough uh, for the player. It's always rough for the organization. The organization, when you go to arbitration, it's always just so tough because the organization has to say, "This is why we don't think you should get this amount of money. We love you." Really sucks, but this is why. Ima- we imagine, don't think- <laughs> imagine <Yeah. laughs> having to
0: negotiate your raise at uh-huh. work, and your boss is like, "Well." Here's the reason why you suck. <laughs> and you're like, yeah,
1: what exactly the hell?
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could have told me that. Uh, middle of the season I could have worked on those things and we we could have agreed on a contract at that point. So and then Solano's gotta say, well this is why I'm really good and then they yeah. go, Yeah, but you're old. So and then all the other old guys aren't making this much money. And then you're gonna fall off at some point. So this is what so it's just arbitration sucks, man. It does. It does. You know, but it's gotta happen and everything. So Solano's under contract. Lastella's three year deal, Flores is under contract. You really don't have many other options. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's six guys on the infield. You don't often carry a seventh infielder. Your seventh infielder is probably Ruff, who's also your left fielder at times. Mm -hmm. Um, Vossler, I love Vossler. The, The problem with Vossler, though, is that when they sign Listella. (laughs) <laughs> Vossler all of a sudden goes, Hey, I got it right on. I got this chance. I can play third. I can play second. I can play first. Oh, they just signed Listella. He can do all that also and he doesn't strike out,
0: and, and he gets on base a lot. So. And they give him a three-year deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they give him a three-year deal. He's not going anywhere. It's not a minor league deal. A show me, see if you can make the roster type of thing. Now, this this is happening. Uh, so, so when you look at something like that, uh, Vossler is probably the odd man out. He's played the first two games of the spring. Um, they do that for the guys that, that they probably don't think are going to make the club but if Vossler starts tearing it up now all of a sudden you go well what do we do with Ruff? because is mm-hmm. hitting the cover off the ball Ruff is not and Vossler can play play three different positions so now what do we do so Vossler has to force them to make a tough decision uh Lucky Luciano, Marco Luciano, he's not going to be up with the club. He's he's primarily a shortstop. So, if when you're looking at second base, Jason Krasan is another one. The Giants signed him to a minor league deal in November. Um, he's played the first two games. Of course, again, that's the uh, show us what you got early. Mm-hmm. Because ne- later on in spring training, we got to get... Solano, we got to get Listella. We got to get these guys at bat so that they're ready when the season starts on April fourth. So that that's kind of what you're looking at there. You're going to see a lot of these guys start early, uh, just to see what they can do. But but it, but it's going to come down to Listella. It's going to come down to Flores. It's going to come down to Solano. Those are you're going to be your guys kind of rotating around second base.
0: You mentioned Brandon Crawford. He's this the stalwart there at shortstop. He. Had a little bit of a uh, renaissance last year with his bat. He's, you know, he, he's never going to be as good with his glove as he was in those World Series years. Like that was when he was at his peak. He's getting a little bit older, but he's still a solid glove man. But there's this possibility that you know he's not with the team in, in uh, 2022. And not to say that he will be traded at the deadline. I don't know that he will or won't be. But that is also a possibility because of his contract status. Now, who is behind him? And and then my next question would be, if they did move on from Brandon Crawford, which we haven't seen a shortstop other than Brandon Crawford on the Giants in like eight years. Like, how, like who? Like uh, you, you mentioned Luciano. He's a guy who they're kind of priming for that, but he's not ready this year. Like, like that, that is something that is pretty interesting. Having a guy there for so many years just be the man and then possibly having to think about having someone else there in 2022 is, is kind of a scary thing because he's just been the guy.
1: Yeah. And I I think you kind of got that right there. I mean, you're going to see Luciano. You're going to see him not this year. You may see him next year. And I don't think it's going to be the beginning of the season next year. Uh, Shortstop. I mean, you got Solano who could play a little short. We've seen Dubon play short. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, he, he can play shortstop. Uh, Listella, I don't believe has has played shortstop. I don't think that's a natural position for him. So, so I think it, you're you're going to see a lot of Brandon Crawford, especially early in the season, because he is a candidate to be moved at the trade deadline. Um, you know, a lot of talk, a lot of pundits. Uh, John Boy Media today on his podcast, they they previewed the Giants. All three of the guys on the panel there, including Trevor Plouffe, who's played in, in the major leagues, all three of them, said that we're pretty much not going to we won't even have our starting five man rotation that's going to start this season they say by by july thirty first all five of those guys will be somewhere else i i don't see that happening but but crawford i mean if he if he kind of has that renaissance again that he had last year and starts this season with that. He's got a great glove. We know that. So by July 31st, he could, he could be gone and you've got Dubon, you've got Solano. Um, again, I don't even know if, if Vossler has played shortstop. So the Giants are kind of in a spot right now. I'm sure the wheels are turning. They're probably looking for somebody that they can stash at shortstop in AAA and say, you know, if, we, if we've got to move Crawford, we've got this guy, you know, 32-year-old, whoever it is, minor league deal, we can bring him up. He's, he's played shortstop before. Let's plug him in. How old is Barry Larkin, this?
0: Larkin right now? <laughs> he's only 55. He's I Not was that.
1: thinking of this surf dude from, uh, who was the shortstop surfer who used to play for the Padres, uh,
0: shortstop
1: surfer. Yeah. He used to have the long blonde hair. He used to play shortstop for the Padres just a few years. Well, it wasn't even that long ago. I think he's probably in his thirties, I would mm, imagine, but mm. I want to say his last name is green. But anyways, uh, so so the Giants are I'm sure they're probably kind of kicking around ideas at that depth chart, uh, because, again, you're looking at Crawford, you're looking at Dubon, you're looking at Solano. You could plug Solano in at shortstop if Crawford's gone. Um, Solano and Dubon could definitely give him a rest like every eighth or ninth day. You you don't want those guys plugged in there for like two nights in a row. Um, So, yeah, they've got to be looking at somebody because Luciano. He's he's not going to be up this year. Uh, He's 19. He he hasn't even turned 20 years old yet, so I don't think we're going to see him up anytime soon.
0: I also wonder if they move his
1: position. You know, it's very possible. They've talked about his frame and that he could outgrow the shortstop position as he Puts on more muscle as he gets older, uh, but they also said he has the type of frame where he's kind of uh, kind of a jeter type of player, where he could add some weight, could add some muscle. And still stay there. So I mean that that's always a possibility. But but again, you look at the the shortstop free agency. for Yeah, next that
0: year. that's why. I, 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 yeah, if I wonder they see him at a different position.
1: That's pretty crazy. I wrote all that down last week. Lindor, if the Mets don't lock him up, Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager, uh, Simeon, Trevor Story. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of shortstops, and the Giants are going to have a ton of money. Um, the rumor is, and I, I haven't looked at all of this, is that if the Giants left the left things the way they were right now, at the end of the season when free agency hits, the Giants would have three players from their current 26-man roster or their expected 26-man roster. They'll have three players under contract, and that's going to be it.
0: Yep. And that, that means <laughs> that Zadie gets to basically – put This puzzle together in, in a way where he's not really restricted, he can just build this thing the way that he wants. That's that's gonna be, I, I don't know. I almost, uh, you know, he, he is, is this like Christmas
1: for him? Like, well, I that, that's a lot. I mean, having three guys under contract, that's like putting a point. Play- you know, like a puzzle together with uh, some pieces that might've fallen under the rug or, or, you know, are back behind the speaker or something. I, that's a lot to fill in, man. I, I can't even imagine trying to take and saying, well, oh, I got to find 23 guys to fill in this roster. I mean, you're going to get, you're, you're probably going to get, I'd say, oh, eight to 10 of those guys from the minor league system. Um, but then you've you've got to, I mean you're looking at another like ten to thirteen guys that you've got to go out and sign uh, free agents. That's a lot of free agents, especially when the Giants are doling out one year contracts.
0: Yeah, and they could I mean they could also bring back some of these guys sure, that, that are that are playing. They could reset. Let's them. say
1: they bring back five. There and there may be some fozes in there. There's gonna be some fozes. I wouldn't doubt it. And and again, so far I've got all the confidence in Zadie, so I like the Fozes.
0: All right. So what do we got coming up uh, for the uh, the spring? So we have how many? So is, is it four more weeks of spring training
1: for the season starts? Yeah. So the season starts for the Giants. Uh, I think it starts for everybody on April 4th. Uh, I believe that's a Thursday. If my computer wasn't so bad, I could tell you right away
0: we We may have to do like uh we'll have to we'll have to figure this one out with the, the whether where the wives are concerned, but it'd be it'd be fun <laughs> to do like a a post game podcast after opening day or something like that.
1: Actually, you know what? They start on April first. <laughs> April Fools. Wow., uh, they start on a Thursday. So I think we can pull that off.
0: Yeah, we might be able to pull that off.
1: Yeah. Thursdays are always good for me. Cool.
0: Well, uh, yeah. So we'll be back next week, and we'll go over the outfield positions, um, and uh, and then the following week we'll 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 figure out how we want to look at at the ro- rotations, and and you know by the time we get there, there there may be a- already some decisions that have been made when it comes to the roster. So, but uh, I, I think it's fun looking at the entire team because while. I imagine, you know, like the John Boy guy said, you know, the the roster will look a lot different at the end of the year than it does at the beginning. But piecing together what we think are are the are the are the guys who are going to be there, it, it, you sort of feel like you're a part like, you know, you're, you're trying to piece together what what Zadie and company have have decided to is going to be their team. So it's, it's almost like you're playing, you know, you're playing Gabe a little bit where we're we're sitting there and going like, oh, this we you know, you could move him here and him here. So it's kind of fun to do that because then you realize all of the options that the manager has with the with the club.
1: Yeah. It, you know, the the cool thing about it is um Like you said, I I like to sit back. I like to watch the spring games and go, oh, there's there's Vossler and, uh, you know, there's uh, Joe McCarthy. He's got a couple at-bats, but I don't see this guy as being, you know, like a 26-man roster opening day. But again, if he can beat out Ruff, you know, Ruff is on a one-year arbitration deal, so if he can beat him out, this happens, that happens. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, this is fun. This is not like you know, 2011, where after you win the World Series, you know, well, this is your roster. They went outside and two free agents. So those guys are on the club. And uh, now it's going to be who, who's fighting for the 24th and 25th. Yeah, spot. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not like that. There's still guys fighting for spots. And then, uh, you know, you've got the Dodgers you've got the Padres in front of you you're you're pretty much fighting with the the Braves over uh in the NL East to for that last wild card spot you know if the Giants are uh, off to a good start um you you know again if they're off to a good start it's because pitchers are doing well and hitters are doing well but those are trade pieces maybe mm-hmm. because they're not under contract next year so so many moving parts I think uh, they were saying on John Boy's uh, podcast that uh, the over under for FanDuel has us at seventy five point five wins uh, most of them went under on that one um, because of the fact that if guys are off to a good start and you could possibly be on the over end of that, are you going to beat out the Braves for yeah. that? Or are you going to beat out the Mets? I, I keep giving the Mets the, the East, but the Mets are the Mets. So that
0: I, <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah. Over. And if you do make moves post trade deadline, you're more than likely bringing up younger players to replace those guys. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. And, and again, if they predict that, all five of our starting pitchers who, who who start in the rotation at the beginning of the season, if those guys are gone, all of a sudden now you're like, okay, who who are our five starting pitchers? Is it Scott Kazmir, Is it uh, you know, uh Shun Yamaguchi? Is it who who is it? Who are who are our five guys? And then you start looking at your 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 win total going down quite mm-hmm. a bit. So yeah.
0: All right. So we'll be back next week with some more uh Thompson to Clark and hope that you've been enjoying the spring training as we kind of look at what what they're doing uh for the season and uh, th- upcoming season for 2021 it's always it's there's always a positive outlook when it comes to spring training everyone's o and o the dodgers are, by the way the dodgers and the padres don't start the season with 10 wins they start the season 0 and 0 just like us so uh, so we'll be battling from from day 1 in the NLS. but anyways. unless
1: you're unless you're the pirates i think you start with uh, 10 losses
0: yeah the poor the, guys they're awful the poor guys <laughs> uh, but anyways we'll be back next week for Brad I'm double g we'll see you when we see you peace out peace